Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. If you have a Bible, Hebrews chapter 10 is where we're going to be. Hebrews chapter 10. And we're in a series that we've been calling One Another. Everyone say One Another. And we're looking at how Christians are called to behave and interact with one another. And there are over 50 verses in the Bible that speak of how Christians, how followers of Jesus are to interact with one another. Commands, things like love one another, forgive one another, be kind for one another, care for one another, encourage one another, don't provoke one another. The list goes on and on. And uh, we've been learning about how this impacts our life, our relationship with God, and our relationship with each other. And tonight we're going to talk about how we are, here's our sort of theme for tonight, how we are to consider one another. Consider one another. The word consider, it means to think about others or to have others on your mind. Consider one another. To think about others and to have others on your mind. And we're going to see practically what this looks like um, tonight. Hebrews 10, verse 19. If you're there, say, I'm there. Um, if you have the YouVersion Bible app, you can follow along on the events page. Uh, all the notes are there as well. Hebrews 10, verse 19. It says, therefore, somebody say, therefore, therefore. brethren. You don't have to say that part, but you can if you want. All right. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh. Is anybody lost yet? Um, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching." Let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for these moments that we're here together. We ask that you would speak to us through your word. And uh, Lord, we pray that you would give us sensitivity to what you want to say specifically to us. And Lord, we pray that as maybe our minds wander a little bit, we would uh, wander towards you, thinking about things about you or how we can apply these, these thoughts to our life. And Lord, we want to honor you with all that we say and do. So help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so last month, Mar- the beginning of March, when, that was two months ago now, the beginning of March, um, my wife and I, Hannah, we went to Hawaii for my friend Paul, who's here, shout out Paul, in the back, um, for his wedding. We went to Maui, it was all time, and then after the wedding on Maui, uh, Hannah and I went to a different island for a little vacation. And uh, one of the nights we were going out to dinner and uh, we had read about this, this food truck that was like the spot to go to on Oahu. Basically like five star reviews, everyone said like this is the place you gotta go to. Like every website that was like places to eat on Oahu, this was like the spot to go to. So we're like all right, we got dressed up, took some photos of each other, like set it up on the ground, 
took some photos together, took photos of each other. Like I, I'm like a really good Instagram boyfriend and I'll like get the angle just right to where she looks tall and cute and all that stuff. And she was pregnant, but she wasn't ready to reveal it yet. So like the angle was just right. So you couldn't see her belly. Anyways, like took the photos and then we went to this food truck. Well, we pulled into the, the parking lot where the food truck was. And uh, it was more than a food truck. It was more like a, it's more like a food, uh, like trailer. Like it was, it was big and permanent kind of. But the, we got there and it was popping off. Like there was literally a line that wrapped like around the building into the parking lot, like all the way around it. And we pulled up and uh, I was like hungry and I was like, like not feeling that. And the whole crowd kind of looked like you guys, a bunch of Gen Z, like, like college age kids, like all cool and like cool outfits on. And uh, we got in the line and I was just like, I don't know about this. Like right away was like, I'm not sure about this. But, and Hannah's like, oh, it's, I've heard it's really good. Like, and we heard people around us saying like, yeah, it's really good. And uh, so we waited for like five or 10 minutes, probably five minutes. That's like a big jump, isn't it? Like five or double that, 10. So we're like waiting there probably five minutes. And I hear somebody like way up in the line in front of us be like, yeah, the line was there when we got here. We've already been waiting like 30 minutes. And I said to Hannah like, this ain't it. This is not it for me. So we're like, we're out of here. Left all these Gen Z college age students like in their cool outfits. Got in our BMW rental car, which is so embarrassing. But uh, we got in the car and we drove a couple blocks to a food truck that there was nobody at. And I'm like, this is my scene. Walked right up. The guy's like, what do you want? Oh, yeah, I can make that fresh for you right now. There's nobody in line. Nobody else has ordered food for me in a month. So I'm happy to make your food. That's part's of the joke. But uh, I, we left the like hipster cool spot and we found our own food truck and had a wonderful evening, took more photos of our food, ate way too much. It was a great night. The reason I'm telling you all of that is because we were making, we, we decided in that moment that it was not worth it for it. And so we were letting go and moving on. We, we didn't want to hold on to this situation, this food. It wasn't worth, us, worth it for us. The story that we, the text that we just read tonight is telling us to hold on to something. It's saying, it's actually saying the opposite. It's saying, don't give up. It's saying, don't let go. Okay, you've been waiting in line for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour or two hours and you feel out of your element, you feel really old and you feel a little embarrassed. Um, don't give up. Keep holding on. Don't let go. That's essentially what the author of Hebrews has actually been explaining to the recipients for the entire book. But it really comes to a point right here as it relates to one another as followers of Jesus. It tells us to hold on or specifically it says hold fast. Everyone say hold fast. In this section, he's telling us to hold fast to God, hold fast to our confession and to hold fast to one another. And when we do that, when we hold fast to God, to our confession in one another, we have a deeper intimacy with God and a stronger commitment to one another. That's the point. If we can hold fast to God, if we can hold fast to our confession, and if we can hold fast to one another, we'll find a deeper intimacy with God and stronger commitment to one another. And he tells us really how we hold fast to these things. Three quick things and we'll close. Number one, he tells us to, he says, let us draw near to God. 
How do we hold fast to God? Well, he says, let us, and notice that each section of command begins the same way. He says, let us draw near to God. And we hold fast to God by drawing near to him. Now, the author has been explaining to the reader throughout this letter how Jesus is better than anything else. And he's contrasting this with the old covenant, the way that people related to God before Christ came into the picture. And he's contrasting it that the ways that people accessed the presence of God and received the forgiveness of sins wasn't as good or was lesser than the way we have access to God and the way we have forgiveness of sins. Because God's presence dwelt in a temple. In fact, he dwelt in the, in the innermost part of the temple known as the Holy of Holies. In, inside the Holy of Holies, there was the Ark of the Covenant. And in all of those sort of layers and compartments, that's where God's presence would dwell or it would be represented. But once a year, the high priest would be able, on the Day of Atonement, could access the presence of God. And we're told when you read the Old Testament stories that he would often enter with an awareness of, of his own sin and the people's sins, and he would enter with fear and trembling. So that, that once a year on the Day of Atonement, after offering sacrifices for his sins and the people's sins, that he would go past the outer courts, past the, the, all of the different ceremonial washings and places and things like that. He would go into the, the, inner, the holy part of the temple, and then there was a veil. And that veil would separate people from the most inner part of the, the temple called the Holy of Holies. And they would go through that temple into the Holy of Holies where God's presence dwelt once a year and he would go in there with fear and trembling because he was aware of his own sin. And in fact, on many of occasions, because of their own sin and failure and mistakes, the, the priests that would walk in, they would actually die on the spot because of their own sin. So they would walk in with fear and trembling, accessing the presence of God. Right? It's intense. It's scary. And this is how they would access but listen, we don't access the presence of God once a year with fear and trembling. Through faith, we become the temple of the living God. We can go to God at any time. And we can go to God, listen to me, with boldness and a true heart and full assurance. That's what he tells us. He says, because, and notice all of that language he says, because, you, actually, let me go back and read it. Look, look at the verses again. He says, having boldness to enter by the Holy, uh, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full of assurance. He's contrasting this. Because of the blood of Christ, we can access the presence of God. We can go with boldness, a true heart, and full assurance. And when we do draw near to God, we find God, and we find grace and mercy in God. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 4 says it like this. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. His idea is that we can access God and God sits on his throne and his throne's called grace. It's, it's unmerited, undeserved goodness and blessing that flows from God. That God's throne is called grace and we can go boldly to that throne and listen, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can go boldly to God. And what do you find when you go boldly to God? Well, it's not fear and trembling. It's not punishment for sin. It's not him shaking his head or stomping his foot or saying, I can't believe you did that this week. We actually find grace and mercy. Mercy to, uh, mercy to heal. Mercy says, okay, you failed, but I forgive you. 
Mercy says you, you messed up, but my, my goodness and my grace can cover that failing. Mercy to heal, but then grace to help. God's grace wants to help you overcome the things that you failed this past week. So you can go boldly to the throne of grace. You find mercy to heal for failure and grace to help you overcome that failure. Does that make sense? And so he says, because of that, because of what Jesus offers through his blood, because we have faith in him and his finished work, because of that, we can go boldly to God. We can draw near to him. Can I encourage you to draw near to God? What does that mean to draw near to God? It means go to God. It means pray. It means set aside time where you're going to think about God and you're going to open up God's word and you're going to put on a worship song and you're going you're to go to him. And you're not going to go to him last. You're not going to say like, okay, I tried my friends, I tried, I tried Instagram, I tried, I tried Googling it, nothing's helping, I guess, I'll, I guess I'll go to God. No, no, we're going to go to God. We're going to draw near to God because we're going to find grace and mercy. We hold fast to God by drawing near to him and be, recognize that he has what we need. My grandma, she's, she, you, some of you may have known her, but she comes to church here, and she's amazing. She's, my grandma's like the sweetest lady of all time. So whenever I see her, I go up to her, and I give her a hug. And usually she does one of three things. She always gives me a hug. She sometimes has treats. Usually she'll like out of her purse. One time, I kid you not, she pulled an entire piece of cake and a glass of milk out of her purse. I'm not, you think I'm lying? I'm not lying. Whole piece of cake on a plate with a fork, handed to me, full on open, like full cold glass of milk. I'm like, where, how? It's impossible. And then another thing she does is I call it the reverse pickpocket. I'll give her, she'll give me a hug and all of a sudden I'll find 20 bucks in my pocket. I'm like, how did you do this? It's like, it's, it's, I don't know. She's a wizard. It's crazy. So literally two days ago, I saw her, I gave her a hug, 20 bucks, 20 bucks in my pocket. My, my, she's amazing. And because she's like that, I go to her as often as I can. <laughs> right? I know I'm going to find treats. I'm going to find some cash. I'm definitely going to find a hug. She's going to encourage me. She's going to say, hey, you're awesome. You're killing it. I'm praying for you. And because of that, I'm going to go to her. Listen to me. God is even better than that. God loves you so much, and because he loves you so much, and because he's got good things for you, and because of what he's done for you, you should go to him. Not with fear and trembling. Not with like, oh God, I'm so sorry. I mean, we should come with reverence and humility, recognize he's God and we're not. But we should also recognize that we can go boldly, because when we go boldly to God, we can find grace and mercy. So draw near to God. The second thing they tell us is not only to uh, let us draw near to God, but secondly, let us hold fast to our confession. Hold fast to our confession. That's what it says in verse 29. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises is faithful. We're to hold fast to God and hold fast to our confession. So what is our confession? Simply put, our confession is our faith in Jesus and our relationship with him. Now, there's a lot of things that we confess when we say that, when you say, I'm a Christian, there's a lot of things you confess, right? You believe in a trinity. You believe that Jesus died and rose again. You believe that he's returning, right? You believe in a virgin birth. You believe in empowering of a spirit. You, you, you believe that he, his presence is there when we gather in his name. Like, there's a lot of things that you confess by saying, I'm a Christian. But simply put, it's our faith in Jesus and our relationship with him. 
It's what we believe and how that belief causes us to live. That's your confession. It's what you believe and then how that belief causes us to live. Now, again, the author is writing to discouraged followers of Jesus. They face opposition, struggle, doubts, and even persecution, and they're thinking of giving up on God. Basically, their life circumstances have have caused them to go, do you know what? Life was easier before I was walking with God. So I'm just going to be like, all right, we had a nice little run. I'm out of here. That's kind of what they're going through. And so the author writes to them, like I said, and basically to tell them Jesus is better than anything else. You're not going to find it anywhere else. You think you're going to find happiness or hope or peace or satisfaction or joy somewhere else? You're just not. Jesus is better than anything else. And so they're being encouraged to keep going. But I think often we can feel like this, can't we? Because of difficulty or doubts in our own mind or discouragement when things don't go our way or confusion because we're not sure what we're doing or isolation where we're by ourselves and no one's around. All of these things can cause us to want to give up on God. But we are encouraged in these verses by the faithfulness of God. He says, draw near to God, but then they say, hold fast to your confession because he who promises is faithful. Don't give up. Keep going. Why? Because God is faithful. He's not giving up on you. He's with you no matter what you walk through. He's working on you to produce something good, and he has your absolute best in mind. Listen, don't give up on God. Why? Well, because God's not going to give up on you. He's faithful to you. Hold fast to your confession. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. He's not done. He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't forgotten about you. He's not not like sidetracked and like, oh, I forgot about that person. How are they doing? Ooh, yikes. Maybe I should interview. God, he hasn't left you. And he's saying, hold fast to your confession for your whole life. Can I encourage you, especially maybe you're new in faith or, or all of you are young, walking with God isn't just for a season of your life. This isn't something that you do right now because your parents bring you or because you're bored on a Thursday night or, or, or you're just like, I, I don't know what's going on, so might as well. Walking with God is supposed to shape your whole life and it's supposed to get better as you grow and walk and follow him so you experience his blessings and his goodness and his faithfulness. Hold fast to your confession Don't give up. So, draw near to God, because you'll find grace and mercy. Hold fast to your confession, because he's faithful. And then the final thing he says is this. And let us consider one another. Consider one another. Now, notice that everything was said, uh, everything that we said is speaking to us. Did you notice that in these verses? He says, let us draw near to God. Let us hold fast to our confession and let us consider one another. There's a cadence to it. There's a rhythm as he's writing this. None of these applications were just towards an individual, right? It didn't just say you draw near to God. It didn't just say you hold fast to your confession. All of it, it's supposed to encourage and strengthen one another. But this part at the end is specifically supposed to do that. Right? All of it is us, but then he, like zero, he doubles down on the us. He says, let us draw near to God. Let us hold fast to our confession. But then let us consider one another. 
takes it a step further. Listen to how the ESV puts it. Verse 24, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Part of our calling is to help one another draw near to God, help one another hold fast to our confession, and help one another do the things he's called us to do. Part of your relationship with God, part of your confession, part of the, the, what you play in the kingdom of God and in your relationship with God is helping one another figure out their part in the kingdom of God. Are you with me? Like we talked about in the beginning, it's not just about me. It's about how do we walk, to get, walk with God together. The point in this is for us to think of ways to help one another grow. Let us consider one another or let us think of ways to help one another grow in our relationship with God. We're good at thinking of ways to have fun, right? Some of you are like, you're always thinking of stuff to do. Like you're that guy. That, the person's like, what do we do? Like, let's ask them. They always have something to do. And you're like, oh, what if we, and you've got some crazy idea and you're like, all right, I'm down. Let's do it. Like, we're good. We're creative of coming up ways to have fun. Some of you are good at, at, at thinking of ways to do bad things. Some of you are awesome at it. Like you are great at figuring out ways to be disobedient and sin. Like you come up with creative ways to sin and get away with it. Like you're thinking, you like sit there and think about like, I know, do you know what? I, I know it would be fun. And you're thinking of creative ways. You spend a lot of your, some of you honestly spend a lot of your mental time thinking of ways to not get caught. All of your, all of your brain power. You know, I did something wrong. And your whole day is thinking about how am I not going to get caught for this? And, and the, the first night, your mom comes in your room and is like, hey, can you talk to each other? Can, we, can I talk to you for a sec? And you're like, oh my gosh, she found out. I'm dead. And then you get away with it, and you're like, I'm, I'm invincible. <laughs> so you do it again, and you think, of, you think of ways to disobey. Now, this is a side point. I think God loves you so much that a lot of times, especially when you do really stupid stuff, he loves you so much that you'll get caught. When I was, when I was in high school or even younger, I got found out about everything. I could not get it. My mom would be, I would come home from doing stupid stuff. Like, this is pre, there was no like, what is it called when your parents track your phone? Yeah, there was none of that. I had like a flip phone that like barely worked. So there's no, I would come home. You guys are like, you're lying about that. I swear, there was no, what did you call it? Life 360. I'm like, I don't even know. There was none of that, right? There's no snap maps or anything. You guys still use that? Is that what it's called? Gosh, I'm so old. You guys are like, get off the stage. Um, I would get caught for everything. And I'd be so upset. Like, why am I getting caught? And now I look back and think, I thank God that I got caught. Because it was his grace saying, like, do you know what? You're not going to get away with this. This isn't going to be your life. This isn't going to be your future. Anyways, all of that to say, the point of this verse is to not use your brain to think of just fun things. It's to not use your brain to think of ways to get away for doing, get away, get away with doing stupid things. 
It's to think of ways to be a blessing to one another. That's the point. Okay, consider one another. Think about others. Think about what? What am I thinking about them for? Oh, they're so cute. Or they're hilarious. Oh, that's fine. But the point is, think of ways to stir one another up towards love and good works. You could put good affection and good works. Think of ways to help one another grow in your relationship with God. We're called to think of ways to help one another grow so that we can, so that God can produce these things in us. This, this good affection and good works. Good affection is our heart towards God and others. Good affection is our heart towards God and others. Stir up love. What can you do? Listen to me. What can you do to produce a deeper love in you and others for one another and for God? What can you do to stir up, to produce a deeper love in, in you and others for one another and for God? How do you stir up love in someone else? Well, it's by being loving towards them. Right? It is, it is really easy to love people that love you. Right? That's not difficult. People that are kind to you, people that say nice things to you, people that remember your birthday or give you gifts or, or buy your lunch or, or, or invite you to sit with them or, or invite you to hang out or whatever. It is not difficult to love those back that love you. Right? So how do you stir up love in other people? Well, you show them love. Right? If you're loving and kind and caring towards other people, they are going to love you in return. No, it's not, a, it's not a fact, right? Sometimes people are just jerks. It is what it is. But there's another verse for that. It's called love your enemies. But this point, my, my, my point is, how do you stir up love towards one another? Is you be loving towards them. God's called you to be loving towards others. And then also stir up, think of ways for good works. This is the desire to serve God and to do what honors God and, and do what helps other people. The whole idea of this verse is like a holy competition. It's kind of the idea. It's like a holy competition. Anybody play sports? Anybody play sports? If you play sports, you, you know what it's like to have good competition. Right, like sometimes when you're competing, sometimes when you're competing, it's bad competition, either because they're not very good, so there's no competition, or because of bad attitudes and, and like cheating and things like that, bad competition. But there's something, and I think it's what we love about sports, is when both sides are giving it their all and giving their best, and there's this, this beautiful, like, rivalry and tension and competition that holds the whole thing together. And when you're experiencing that, it's like, you want to play better, right? And you want to, I want to, I want to work harder or I want to do my best. And there's this, this competition that happens and it's a really natural and good thing. That's kind of the idea about this verse. It's as I show love towards you and as I encourage you to good works, that's going to motivate you to then love me, <laughs> to stir up good works and good love in me. And then we both grow together. Are you with me? So if we want to see people grow in their relationship with God, well, one, you start walking with Jesus. 
you encourage other people, and you watch as this like holy competition begins to develop. Not a carnal competition, not where it's like about me and striving and I got to win, but it's like, how can I produce in you a desire to love God and love others? Are you with me? It's a holy competition. This is the idea. It's to help one another grow into being more like Jesus with more of a heart to serve him and more love for one another. Worship team, you can come up here. I'm going to close. Following Jesus should always produce those three things in your life. I'll recap. It should produce a desire for deeper intimacy with Jesus, drawing near to God. And when you draw near to God, you don't find anger, disappointment. You find grace. You find mercy. It should desire, you should desire deeper intimacy with Jesus. And then following Jesus should produce a stronger commitment to him, regardless of what you go through. Right? Hold fast to your confession. Why? Because he who promises faithful, just because you're going through difficulty or pain or opposition or doubts, doesn't mean you should give up. Keep walking with him regardless of what you go through. And it should produce in you a heart for his church and for his people. How can I use what God's given me to stir up love and good works in others? And notice that, that, that that's the key. He says, you want to know how to do that? He says, don't forsake the gathering, of, the gathering together. In other words, this is what he's saying. Go to church. That's what he's saying. Go to church. Get together with other Christians. You want to practice like encouraging and being built up and loving other people and, and thinking about other people and thinking of ways to help other people and things like that? Go to church. That's what he's saying. So first part of the test, you passed it. You're at church. Yeehaw, good job. Now, how do we stir up? How do we think of ways to show love to others? How do we think of ways to, to uh, uh, encourage them to walk in the things that God has for them? That's your part to play. You don't just come to church. Again, you don't just come to church for me. right? You're not here tonight because it's like, okay, I just, it's all about me and I need something. You're here because God wants to speak to you, for one, but then, two, he wants to use your life. He wants to use you to impact other people and encourage other people. That's why he tells us to not forsake gathering together.